when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi, my name is Joe Messa. I'm a lawyer and I'm also a big football fan. I'm a 25-year Eagles season ticket holder and there's a new post-game show in town. Welcome to the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and the best right tackle in football, Lane Johnson. everybody mark barzetta devin caney Derek gunn with you live post game show welcome into our audience on the jacob media youtube channel as well as 6abc.com if you're joining us then maybe you could join us in vetting your frustrations about this 33 to 22 loss at the hands of the uh the uh, the, the, the vegas raiders first off anyone who's out there and went to this game at, at least vegas is a fun town i hear um, so that's cool. Uh, everything else pretty much sucked. Everything was pretty terrible. Everything was not good. Everything was not worth watching. Uh, we can call it garbage time, and I know some people hate that phrase, but that's what it is. That's when the Eagles actually showed some fight. It was in the first drive of the game and then maybe the last two possessions of the game. But Gunner, Devin, I look at this and I can pull zero positives from this because even the one thing I looked at that went, aha, there you go. They're running the football with Myers, Miles Sanders. Five carries, 25 yards on the opening possession. They took it in for a touchdown. How great was that? And then they ran the ball one time. One time on the very next possession with Miles Sanders. They had nine plays. Nine <laughs> plays. One time with Miles Sanders. Then he got out. Then he got hurt. Then he was out. I, I I am beside myself because I tried not to look at that introductory press conference with Nick Sirianni. We all know it was a train wreck, right? Mm -hmm. The most pessimistic Eagles fan that you know probably said, I, look at this guy. This guy's going to coach a team and lead him to wins. No way. That pessimistic Eagles fan was right. They might be pessimistic, but they were real and true to themselves because they are playing that bad. They're that poorly coached. They're that poorly schemed. And I don't even know what to say about this Eagles team going forward because they have given me zero hope for the rest of this season, Gunner. Uh, you just said it all. Can we go now? Can we get to go? <laughs> no, uh, I purposely left many things off my well, list in that little if, rant if, there. If I was the owner of this team right now, I would tell the coaching staff and the players, um, you guys are boarding a stagecoach and get going home. You're not getting on a plane to get home. <laughs> it's going to take you the entire week to get back to Philadelphia. Uh, if, if I have anything to do with this, you know, I let my guard down. I let my guard down. I, 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 on the other platforms, I predicted the Raiders to win this game by, I believe it was uh, 10 points. I let my guard down after that Eagles first drive and said, okay, they had extended time off. Let players rest up, heal up. 
you know, little nicks and pains, coaching staff. Take a good look at yourselves in the mirror. Reevaluate yourself. Look at every game you've played up to this point. You have plenty of time. And, you know, redesign some of the things you're doing. Eliminate some of the things that have not been working. Pull a few more things out of your playbook you haven't used, which they did. Jalen Hurts was under center more than I've seen him all season long. And then they got away from that. Um, and, and, and let's see something different coming out of the gate. There's still still a whole lot of football to be played. Uh, I know we're down right now, but we're still not out of this thing. I saw that for one series, first series. And after that, slowly but surely, it kept resorting back to what we had been watching over the last five to six weeks. And, you know, I feel for this Philadelphia fan base, because even if even if you had to watch a losing product, if the team is being competitive, people can stomach that because they can see, okay, we're in a youth movement. We're in a transition period. Things are going to get better. There's a sun over the horizon, you know, after this. Right now, it's a dark tunnel with no light at the end of this tunnel, as far as I can see right now. I, I, I don't know. You know, when you talk about filed ups, bleeps, and blunders, if I ever wrote a book, a new version of filed ups, bleeps, and blunders, I have seven games. Correction, they won the first game. I have six games worth of work. I could sell a, put together a bestseller from what I've had to watch over the last six games from this Eagles team, plain and simple. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Devin, you have any anything happy? Anything good? Anything well, you know, I, I'll say everyone who's in Vegas, everyone who traveled to Vegas, whether they're media or fans, is either going to have a really good night or a really bad night after that game. They're, they're, but they're going to have a night regardless. Uh, and I would as well if I if I flew out there for that hot garbage that we just watched. Um, I agree. I will say, Deegan, I look forward to hearing more of your thoughts because full transparency uh, – to people tuning in before we started uh, or before we went live, D-Gun was like, I've got a lot to say. I've got, so I, I can't wait to hear more of your criticisms. But I think my overall takeaway is just that this team has no hope. Like there's no silver lining. There's not even a glimmer maybe on that one play. And I feel like that's become a trend where, you know, we start and there's a good play and then it's trash. And then all of a sudden at the end, in the last few minutes, we decide to score a touchdown or two. But is that because we decide to start playing or the other team just gives up because they're ahead by mm-hmm. enough and they don't care? Um, <laughs> I think what what the most bleak thing to me is, is that this all starts with Howie Roseman. And I know I sound like a broken record saying that. And I we can't fire Howie wrote Like he's he's not going anywhere. So... Uh, there's no immediate solution in sight whatsoever to me. And that's well, sad. I'm glad you mentioned that because it takes me to this idea. You mean to tell me Nick Sirianni sat across the table from you, Jeffrey Laurie, Howie Roseman, and you said to yourself, that's the guy. That's right. the guy that's going to take over for Doug Peterson. That's the guy right there. He's bright. He's energetic. He's a young football mind that Frank Reich seems to really love. And that's the guy we're going to take. How how was that a good idea? What about him? Other than his connections, other than he probably interviewed well, what about him? What about his creativity that I've seen none of, by the way, really made you think this is the guy? Other than 
the idea that he'll let you do what you want to do as the team's owner and the guy that wants to get involved in game planning and, and strategy. And other than the fact that he would let Howie Roseman continue to do what he wants to do as a front office member that goes beyond the normal bounds of what a GM should be doing or a director of football personnel. Other than that, other than that, what was, what was so great about Nick Sirianni? I said three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, as a matter of fact, that when I looked at Nick Sirianni, I saw a guy that was in over his head. I had been referring to this week as judgment week for Nick Sirianni. Ted days between games. He had all the time in the world for the self-evaluation, the reflection, really knowing what he was and who he could be as a head coach and play caller. Well, he came out and Gunner like you, Devin like you, I had hope. I Oh, look at this guy with the adjustments, running the football. Jalen Hurts under center. I was one of the many people screaming from the rooftops throughout the week. Hey, you know what? Just put Jalen Hurts under center. Hand the ball to a running back that has a full head of steam approaching the offensive line. That's back because he had Lane Johnson finally coming back. And it gave me hope after that first drive. And then you immediately reverted back to the guy that we had seen coach the vast majority of these of his first seven weeks as an NFL head coach. I mean, you go into the second half, you don't even see a tight end get looked at until the second half. You see Jalen Hurts completely forget about whatever the game plan was going to be. You forget about even helping Jalen Hurts out because you're not running the football even uh, anymore either. Uh, the, the play calling, the decision making, the fourth and one on their own 34-yard line – I get that that it worked for him. Why do that in that situation? It's a 7-7 ball game. The onside kick coming out of halftime. I know it's aggressive. Oh, you can't blame him for being aggressive. Like hell, I can't. I absolutely can blame him for being aggressive because it was a 10-point game at that time. And you know that your team has played vastly better in the second half of the vast majority of the games this season. That was a desperation play to try to go for it on that onside kick coming out of halftime. I just can't get over the bad play calling, the bad game plan in general, and the refusal to stick with what was actually working for you on the first drive of this game. Gunner, I, my, if I keep on going, I'm telling you what, I'm doing demo on my house. I might do all the demo tonight, my friend. I might blow up an entire room tonight. That's how pissed off I am. I don't have a problem with the onside kick uh, coming out of halftime trying to catch him off guard. What I had a problem with was the actual execution of it. And, and players converging to the ball. I have a problem with that. I don't mind that when you're down and you're trying to get some kind of momentum back your way. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I have, I have a problem with so many other facets of this game, uh, like the situation when you had um, uh, you had the Raiders in a third and short, uh, a, fourth, a fourth and short, and even the referees thought you were going to just decline a penalty, and you took the holding penalty and moved them back, and they complete a 40-something-year pass down the field. Now, obviously – after that, Avante Maddox bailed him out with an interception. But nine times out of ten, in a situation like that, you decline the penalty and get the ball back, you know, in your hands. You don't you don't take a chance like that, especially when you have a defense and a team as a whole that's been struggling. I really wanted to see this Raiders third ring passing offense against the Eagles fifth rank passing defense, even more so when we found out that one of the premier tight ends in a game, Darren Waller, was not going to play today. Oh, no, this guy named Foster Moreau, yeah, he, just Moreau picked, yeah. he just picked up a slack. You know, he scores a touchdown. He makes key catches. You got linebackers that can't cover the tight end. They can't cover running backs coming out of the backfield. You know, it's just one thing after another. We have become a broken record. And every post-game show, whether it's television or radio right now, is rehashing the same thing. Why, 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 why? And we're talking about the same things over and over again. 
And, and I can't emphasize this enough. All I want to see is improvement weekly. But it's like this team is regressing instead of progressing in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. You know, the Eagles have a chance to go in and score. Bad snap. You know, the, you, you thought Jalen Hurts dropped the, the snap. Then you see the slow-mo replay. How in the world does the right guard get his hand in there quick enough to, to <laughs> deflect the ball? Have is you ever something? seen – have you other than the center's butt, have you yeah. ever seen snap interference? Maybe once, <laughs> once in the last 10, 15 years, maybe. It's it's a rarity. Jeez. Um, but I have seen it before. But when you're, when you're part of the bad news bears like this team, you can't afford to have those kind of, kind of mistakes, man. Oh, my you know, so you, but story, are you putting yeah. that drop on not on Jalen Hurts, on that on the snap totally, it's, like it's, 100%? It's not 100%, but it's, it's, it's a combination of the two. The ball is deflected slightly, but Jalen Hurts still should have caught the ball. It, mm. it wasn't like the ball ricocheted off the guy's hand. Jalen Hurst still should have caught that ball, and who knows what might have happened on that play. You know, again, another potential momentum-changing play. But every week, it's another momentum-changing uh, uh, decision that goes against them instead of for them. Mm -hmm. And this is becoming a broken record. It's touchdowns being called back for holding. It's uh, big catches being made by players. Oh, he was out of bounds, and then he came, came back in illegally to make the catch. It's just one thing after another. And how many times can Nick Sirianni step to a podium to explain what has happened to his team? You know, mm -hmm. um, he continues to make mistakes uh, at the podium. And I go back to something that he said earlier in the week when he basically admitted that the play, uh, his playbook is limited because Jalen Hurts basically functioned out of a shotgun playing in Oklahoma. So basically that's why he's more comfortable out of a shotgun i.e. that's why he's been playing mostly out of a shotgun for this team. So what you've done is that you handcuffed your own playbook because your quarterback doesn't feel comfortable with you if you expand that playbook. Now, obviously, they expanded it a little bit more, finally putting him under center. They got better results on that initial drive. But now, as I look back at the game, that initial drive was based on the fact that teams feeling out each other. The Raiders trying to figure out exactly what the Eagles were trying to do. They you hadn't seen Jalen Hurts under center, so it took them a while to figure it out. Oh, by the way, the Eagles go down, take the momentum right away, they score a touchdown. But shortly after that, the Raiders started playing their game. The Raiders are not a great defense. They were the 25th running defense. Now, the Eagles ran up a lot of yards, but your quarterback's your leading rusher again. And it didn't help that your, your primary running back, who was picking up a chunk of real estate at five yards of crack, Miles Sanders has a severe ankle injury. He doesn't come back. We're still waiting to find out the status of that. But you still had a couple of other guys in Gainwell and Boston Scott where you could have run the ball effectively to keep to keep Derek Carr and those offensive weapons off the field. And you couldn't. And they were picking them apart up and down the field. At one point, he was like 18 of 19. I mean, that's an unheard of day for most quarterbacks. 15 of 20, okay. 13 of 19, okay. 18 of 19? Are you kidding me? Anything you wanted to do. Anything just, he wanted to do. He's slinging it wherever he wants. In, in, the, in the back, the cornerbacks are playing five, seven yards. They're playing with too much respect uh, for Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro. And these guys are just dinking and dunking them underneath all day. The same thing this offense should be trying to do, dink and dunk your way down the field until you can suck the safeties down in the box. It's exactly what the Raiders did to them, and they couldn't adjust. And still, the running game, are you kidding me? They're going right, right through Javon Hargrave. And, and, and Fletcher Cox like a hot knife through butter. I don't get it. 
they still can't show up the running game. And this was a team that was averaging 80 yards a game rushing. They come out of the game running up in the middle on this team again. What do you think yeah. Detroit's going to do next week? What do you think they're going to do? They'll run what it do down the throat. What do you think the opponent after that is going to do? They're going to run the ball until you stop them. You're going to run the ball until you stop them. I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting ridiculous. And I ask myself, what is Jonathan Gannon doing? What are Nick Sirianni doing week in and week out to enhance the product, to make it better? And right mm-hmm. now, the only answer I have is very little. Well, it, it goes back to this conversation that we've been having over and over again. And this game, I found myself, I, I flip-flop a lot. You know, the most concerning thing to me is that no one can really pinpoint is it the coaching is it the players is it the lack of personnel that we discussed and Brandon Graham even mentioned uh after our game against the Bucks so I mean what do you guys think like is it I because I was I kind of leaned more towards it's not Jonathan Gannon's fault I like his scheme and now I'm kind of more in the middle of we both don't have the players and our coaching not just Jonathan Gannon all of our coaching especially Nick Sirianni are just not competent and not able to put together any sort of scheme whatsoever it is Jonathan Gannon's fault. It is Nick Sirianni's fault. It is the player's fault for a lack of execution. It is Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie's fault for being in this position that they're in right now. Everybody is to blame right now. You know, it's easy to blame everybody when you're losing in any sport. You know, I understand that. But, and we, and, and, I, and I have to say this, Jeffrey Lurie told us all this was going to be a transition year. I get that because of the cap restraints with Carson Wentz leaving. Because Howie Roseman couldn't wheel and deal in free agency in the offseason like we're accustomed to seeing him do. But I, this is inexcusable. You know, I understand you hiring new head coaches. That's the trend across the league now. Bringing these young, brilliant offensive minds, you know, that, who are going to take the game to the next level offensively. Since we're living in an offensive-minded football world right now, the way the game is structured. But I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing enough of it. And you can't keep stepping at a podium in a city like Philadelphia and telling the fan base, we're trying. But what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get the number one pick in the draft next year? Because that's what it looks like to me right now. Basically but saying. The, 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 the thing that makes me the most sad, not to really go down this pessimistic wormhole right now, even though that's really the only way we can go, is that if we were to fire everyone – then we're going to have to do this all over again. We're going to have to do a rebuild year all over again. Not if they again. do it right, which I know none of us have confidence in them doing. Right. But, right. I mean, here's 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 the thing, though. Even if you tell a fan base it's a rebuilding year, it's a retooling year, whatever, it's a transitional year, however you want to you know, couch the phrase, this ain't it this year. We're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. However you want to pitch that to a fan base, First off, you're you're always going to be playing uphill because a fan base will never really believe it. That's why they're fans, right? The second thing is we can know that and accept it going into it, but that doesn't mean we can accept bad play calling and horrible game management and not being prepared to coach or play in a game. Because when we talk about situations of just running the football, using your playmakers, putting your quarterback in the most comfortable position you can possibly put him in, they don't do it. And when they do, it's a brief fleeting moment like the first drive of this game, and then it's right back to their old ways. So even if you tell us, don't really be expecting much here, well, when you actually show us something and you don't go back to it, are are you, Gunnar, like you're saying, intentionally losing to try to get a first pick? Because I know you're going to have three cracks at it in the first round, it's looking like. So to me, I'm trying to figure out what it is that they're trying to do. If they're just playing for a pick, 
Well, then buckle in, folks, because we're just in this for another year of how we making the making the picks. Jeffrey Lurie getting involved and Nick Sirianni making play calls that he seems to yet again. I can't go go back to it enough. Just seems to be ill-equipped to actually make the right call at the right situation. And it's beyond frustrating because I don't see an end in sight. And guess what? Hey, here's something we're all lucky with, right? There's one more game this year. That's fun. We get to watch one more game of this this season. Instead of just having 16 games, now we got 17. So whoop-de-doo. That's how excited we are. You got 10 more games. For the eternal football fan, it's 10 more games to watch. Oh, 10 yeah. more games to critique. Mm-hmm. 10 more meals to to basically destroy in the family time when you want to sit down and, mm-hmm. and have a good meal. Turn, turn your stomach, you know. They're going to win a couple games here and there. I predicted they would win like five, six games. They may get to that level still. But, you know, people who are sitting out there after watching this team today and last week saying, hey, the schedule gets so much easier down the stretch. You have the Giants twice. You have the the, the Washington Reds, the Washington football team twice. Well, you know what? Washington lost today, but their offense moved the ball against a pretty good de- uh, uh, a Green Bay defense. Uh, the Giants actually smoked the Carolina team. They gave the Eagles all kinds of fits to the point Sam Darnold got benched in that game. Okay? So, you know, don't start chalking up wins just yet. Until you show me something definitively, you still got to face a pretty good Chargers team. You got a Saints team coming up. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. If I was a betting man, I would not touch the Eagles-Detroit game next week. I would not touch that game next week. I would. I know every, everyone's saying that's like we're definitely going to win it. And even before this game, everyone was saying that we we would probably win this game. It'd be close, or at least Philly people are saying that. I'm sure national sure, media wasn't. Sure. I know we were underdogs, but it's like the t- it, uh, they're embarrassing. I think that's the best word to describe it. The Eagles are embarrassing, and I strongly dislike this team and I do not trust that they're going to beat the lions who have yet to win a game. I really don't. And that terrifies me. Oh yeah. The we, Eagles we, are, I mean, let's just get we, of we've, the we've obvious. Turned Devin, we've turned Devin to the dark side. I like that. <laughs> I am like, I am the, I'm always optimistic. Like yep. even like not to bring up another touchy Philly subject, but even with Ben Simmons for a long time, I was always in his corner. And then finally in that game seven against the Hawks, like that's where he lost me. And then he, continue to lose me throughout the whole saga that's still going on. But I feel that way about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I've been very, you know, I like his mentality. I like this, even Nick Sirianni. I'm like, I like the positivity. I like the t-shirts. And now I've definitely gone to the dark side. I hate (laughs) all of them. I, they're just, no, put Gardner Minshew in at this point. Like no one's doing it for me. So yeah, fully on the dark side. Thank you. Well, I don't know if you guys are totally a blame or the Eagles have just like sucked wow. the soul out of me. <laughs> wow. As much wow. as I want to take credit, Gunner, I don't think we can. I think it was the Eagles. No, no, no. To be honest with you, I think it's a combination of the two. I think we've finally worn her down, and this team has worn her down to the point. It's, I, you know, I, I, I take pride in the fact that I've, <laughs> we've, we've tainted her basically. She was the eternal <laughs> optimist. Now she's like you and I, Mark. That's not a good thing. I'm telling I, you, man. You know. Remember uh, when we were doing that show at Screwballs all those weeks ago after oh, yeah. the Eagles were one and zero, and and I I said that thing about uh, I was like, hey, the Eagles are one and zero. What if this is the best we feel all year? Right now, at that point, Nick Sirianni was a genius. Jalen Hurts was a money man. We were feeling yeah. great. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense was cracking. It was great. <laughs> and now here we are, sitting uh, two and five. And looking at a terrible football team. So, hey, they beat Carolina. What do you want? 
They beat that was wins. a lot of fun. Remember that time they beat Carolina? Yeah, they gave great you two wins. What do you want? Let me let me tell you something else. If you want to lift your spirits, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that uh, the, the the fine live post game show here with yours truly, with uh, Derek Gunn and Devin Caney and John McMullen will be joining us in a little bit. It's brought to you exclusively by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. When we come back, like I said, a little bit later in the program, we're going to get to talk to John McMullen, who's live from Las Vegas. We'll get all the goings on behind the scenes, Nick Sirianni's press conference, what the players had to say when they took to the podium after this 33-22 to loss at the hands of the Vegas Raiders, which is still difficult for me to say, and their coach who was coaching his second NFL game. So that's fun, too. All that and more when we come back here on the live postgame show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Welcome back. Live post-game show. Mark Farzetta. 
Derek Gunn, Devin Caney with you. We are sponsored by some great people at Stateside Vodka as well. See the scroll below and use the promo code JACOB, that's J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off one liter bottle of Stateside Vodka. Visit statesidevodka.com. Make sure you guys do that. Uh, so we've been uh, talking and really airing our grievances when it comes to Nick Sirianni, when it comes to Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, and, of course, Jonathan Gannon. But when you look at this win, or excuse me, when you look at this loss and still longing for a, for a win, the most glaring thing to me continues to be 10 days between games. And this was the best opportunity that they could have. We're going to go to some comments here. Will to Beast Davenport, thanks for joining us there. Uh, the coaching is horrible. Howie has to go for this one and get Watson. You got to get Watson. I don't know if any quarterback can yeah. be the savior of anything here. And Watson, I'm not really going after, considering what's going on with him right now. I don't really need a quarterback in that kind of headspace right there. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the answer here, guys? No, no. I, I, I have a thought to this, kind of a uh, to add to that, because I don't think we should get Watson, you know, aside from all of his legal troubles. I just I don't think that people should count on that. But someone brought up that, you know, we do have the draft coming up and Miami lost. Carson Wentz is looking like he's probably going to play. You know, we're probably going to have several picks. Could we trade them? for maybe an elite quarterback? And if so, who is available? Who could we get? Uh, someone said Aaron Rodgers. I know D-Gun, he's your guy. You know, his name was mm-hmm. loaded before this season started. Who would be your dream quarterback to get if we traded picks away? And should we do that? Or should we just put all of our faith in, in Howie to make the right picks, which we know how good he is at that? Well, first of all, we're not putting all of our faith in Howie. That, that That's not going to happen. <laughs> No, that's not going to happen. There's a possibility you could you could bottle up some draft picks and get yourself a frontline quarterback. But when you look at the nature of this team, that's a risky move because you need to replenish the cupboard in a number of areas. Let's say the Eagles had three first-round picks, and if they kept everything status quo, the, the, I would use the three first-round picks, number one, on an edge rusher, number two, a linebacker, and number three, a yeah. cornerback. If you're going to have like three of the first 10 or 12 players in a draft, uh, look at what the Dallas Cowboys did. The Cowboys used their first six picks and went all defense. Now, Mm. the defense is not a top 10 defense, but it's playing at a much better level than it played in last year. And look at the Cowboys record right now. And it's because this defense, the revamped defense that they have now with a bunch of young kids and they brought in a few free agents. They got rid of a couple of uh, existing players. The defense is getting them off, getting off the field and giving the ball back to a very elite offense right now. And that's what you need. We have seen in the past that you don't have to have a top 10 defense to be successful in this in this league and possibly win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. As long as you have a good defense that can that can get you the ball back. And that's what the Dallas Cowboys are right now. Mm. If the Eagles feel, and at this point, obviously not, that Jalen Hurts is their quarterback, then you've got to decide, all right, we've got a young receiving core. We've got a decent offensive line. we got a decent front, defensive front. We need linebackers. We need somebody to come off that edge. And we need another young cornerback, especially with uh, Steve Nelson only being on a one-year contract. So those are the areas that I would try to shore up. Now, again, you're going to go through some growing pains, but – you have a core group of players that will be a year older, a year wiser. You're sprinkling in, again, three of the top 10 or 12 players that are coming out of the draft next year that can hit the ground running and help you right now. They don't have to sit and watch. They can help you right now. 
it lowers your salary cap that you can get rid of some other players. And I'm not, I'm not above also considering this before the trade deadline, trying to see if you can move Fletcher Cox right now and seeing what you can get for some added draft capital, whether you're going to mm -hmm. use it to bring in more young players or maybe try to package what you get for a Fletcher Cox and get you a quarterback, if not this year, then uh, next year in the offseason. So under all that, Howie Roseman's still making picks, right? <laughs> it yeah. looks like it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 this needs like they, you totally need a rebuild. Like you can't not a transition, a a rebuild. And I know Jeffrey Lurie is not selling the team tomorrow because for those that don't know, owning a football team is a is a license to print your own money. So Jeffrey yeah, Lurie is not yep. selling this team. That's like that's right. not happening. He's not moving this team. Certainly not happening either. The other thing. You gotta get rid of Howard, Howie Roseman. You gotta move on from Nick Sirianni. This ain't it. And if Jeffrey Lurie's not gonna sell the team, then there's only one other option. And again, that's not happening. Not doing that. You, you just have to hit the reset button. Howie, thanks for your time. We want a Super Bowl. There's only one way you can go forward from this. Because guess what, Howie? You're not going to survive another coaching search. We're not gonna go after Reed to Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson to now Nick Sirianni, and then you're still here. You need to hit the total reset button. Here's what I know. My first inclination when watching Nick Sirianni get introduced to the Eagles fan base was, uh, I'm not going to lose my mind over this, but that was really bad. And I can't <laughs> see that guy in crucial situations during a football game seeming like a guy that has the answers. Nor can I see him in a locker room that's being lit on fire, keeping guys together. Like Doug Peterson's claim to fame, the best thing he could do, keep a locker room together when stuff was hitting the fan. That's what he. That's why he was a great head coach. When it comes to everything else surrounding Nick Sirianni, there's nothing I look at that goes, ah, that's what he does great. And I'm mean, being serious when I say that. When, it, when it's game plan, whether it's charging up the team, whether it's adjustments within the game itself, I see none of it. So, Nick Sirianni, you ain't it, man. I already can tell this. See you later. Howie Roseman not going to survive another head coaching search. So, when you do have this opportunity with potentially three first-round picks, two of them really high first-round picks, I can't have Howie being the guy. Jeffrey Lurie needs to look at this at season's end if this continues to go which the, the way we all think it's going to go and hit that reset button because there's no cure-all in sight. Three first-round picks with Howie Roseman making those decisions only puts Howie Roseman's fingerprints on this franchise longer. And since we know, and I'll state it again, Lurie's not moving on. Two other people have to be moved on from. And that's Howie and that's Nick because we know Nick ain't it at this point. And in all honesty, it, do you look at Nick Sirianni and go, yep, I can see why this guy's leading this team. I can see why he's making play calls. I can see why he's doing the job he's doing. Jonathan Gannon, a guy that was getting a lot of hype in the offseason, I, I haven't seen anything from him to make me go, ah, oh, that Jonathan Gannon guy, I can see why he should be running a defense at the NFL level. I mean, really, and you're going to trust these guys to build for the future with three more first-round picks possibly? I'm not. So even when you start talking about what next year can hold, getting that quarterback, right, Get, bringing that person in, I don't see the person that's going to be the cure-all for the foreseeable future. Even, hey, you trade for Aaron Rodgers, that changes a lot. That's all right, let's party. But for the foreseeable future, there's not one person I look at and go, oh, yeah, that's the person I trust to make those football decisions to make sure that this team continues to build a great team going forward. Not one mm. person. So that's why I look at these first three, these three, uh, potential three first round picks, and I go, all right, whoever wants to come in here and runs the, run this team from a football operations standpoint, from a head coaching standpoint, a lot of people, as if the Philadelphia Eagles aren't a desirable job already, just to coach in a market like this, just to you know run player personnel in a market like this. But 
Uh, you also have three first round picks at your disposal. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll come, I'll come coach for that. I'll come uh, direct uh, player personnel, knowing that I have that in my back pocket to get started. That's a hell of a starting point if you're looking to come in and take over a team. Yeah. I will uh, refer back to this. After Doug Peterson's first year, a lot of people wanted to run him out of town. Can't make decisions. Uh, can't, can't come up with crucial plays. What's he doing on the sidelines? He's not a play caller. And the Eagles front office stood their ground. And, oh, by the way, he won a Super Bowl his second year. Okay. Now, obviously, look at that situation. Look at the players they brought in for that Super Bowl run. You know, a LeGarrette Blunt in the offseason, a Jay Ajayi, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. They had all these players that they were able to bring in because Howie was able to pick off the free agent market. Um, he's going to have that cap space again this offseason to pick off the free agent market. He's going to have better draft positioning this year to fill in some holes as well with youth. I'm not saying that there would be a Super Bowl contender next year, but I do believe that they will be a much better product on the field. Now, people will say, what do you mean? You got Nick Sirianni as a head coach. On my pregame show on 97.5 today, I can't even begin to tell you how many people were hitting me up on Twitter saying, fire, fire Sirianni, fire Gannett, fire – and, and I, okay, I don't disagree with them. Very rarely does it happen that a head coach gets fired after just one season. But when you take into consideration that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have been left with enough egg on their faces over the last couple of years because of draft picks or lack, lack thereof and things not working out the way they could and the fact that um, they also had two years in a row they were, they were decimated by injuries. All right, we're dealing with injuries again this year. Uh, we dealt with the offensive line shuffling again early on this year. And now Miles Sanders is down. We don't know how long he's going to be out. And I was told a little while ago that the reason Lane Johnson left the game today was because he re-aggravated that ankle injury that he had surgery on this offseason. So now you got to deal with that as well. I don't think the Eagles would make a snap decision in terms of firing a Nick Sirianni only because Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie both know how much the, the media and the fan base would rain down on them for making another inept decision in regards to what should happen to this organization. I would think they would give Nick at least two years to show what he could do. All right, Nick, you, we know you had a deficit right now. You, you, you know, your left tackle's playing right tackle. You, your starting left guard is out for the season. You're missing your, you've been missing your starting right guard forever. Um, I, I get that. Your best pass rusher is out for the season as well. Um, and, you know, just hold on, Nick. We're going to give you a second chance. And so, you know, as much as people are clamoring and screaming for Sirianni and his coaching staff to be fired, I don't think Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie would make that move after this year. Do you think that they should? Because from... Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We've made that clear. But... Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Well, but but Derek, you, I, I want to ask you about something you said about Howie, right. where you said he, he picked right. off the free agent market and... Right. I, he did a good job before he won the Super Bowl, and right. I know he's working with or was working with minimal cap space. So, are you saying if he has the means and he has these draft picks, which I also agree, I think they should go all defensive uh, talent at least right. early on in the draft um, if they they use those picks. Um, are you saying that like if he has his resources, you you believe in Howie Roseman and you think he should stay? 
Oh, you, you'll never get me to admit that publicly. Oh, no. No, no, no. You know. But no, I think but, I, but, caught, it. I, think I no. caught it in there. There we go. But, there we, we, got, we got resident Howie Roseman fan, Derek Gunn. I think that's you, what we have here. Oh, I want oh, you, you to both, double down. Oh, you're both attacking me now? Okay, I understand <laughs> my ground here. No, what I'm saying is this. Howie pulled it off once. Mm-hmm. You know, lightning could hit strike in a, uh, could hit twice in the same place. You know, obviously four years apart, five years apart, but it could happen again. I'm saying this is these are unusual circumstances now. No, I've watched Howie Roseman draft year in and year out, and I've watched some of the mistakes he's made. For every one he's got right, he's gotten three or four wrong. I get that. You know, they need to be somebody in here, which they had in Joe Douglas, who's now gone, uh, who knows the draft and who knows players a little bit better than Howie. Howie should not have the final say in a draft room. Um, but I'm saying there's a possibility he could get it right. For whatever reason, Jeffrey Lurie protects him. Howie Roseman's not going anywhere right now. Um, and when you look at how Nick Sirianni got hired, it's because certain coaches weren't coming here. Arthur Smith wasn't coming here. Brandon Staley with the Chargers wasn't coming here. You know, they didn't want to interview. So you had a limited uh, amount of, of coaches that you could possibly pick from to come in here. So if you do it again after this year, what are you telling potential coaches? Hey, I, I, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to be a part of this mess. Word gets around. So if a Nick Sirianni leaves here, and Nick Sirianni knows a lot of people in this league. Hey, Nick, was it really that bad? What do you think a Nick Sirianni is going to say? So a lot of people, the Eagles might even want to interview, may not even want to be interviewed to come here. So you're right back at square one again. You're going to get somebody else with no experience head coaching, like a Nick Sirianni. You're going to go through this all over again. No. You got. I think to a certain degree, as bad as it is, you have to weather the storm. And I, I know a lot of people are suspect about Sirianni right now, and I'm not saying Sirianni is head coach material, but you at least have a guy in place. He has a core group of players who will return, who will know his system. You want to have – if Jalen Hurts is here, do you want to have Jalen Hurts learning three different offensive systems in less than three years? You don't want that. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some kind of continuity here. Whether it's good or bad, you have to have some type of continuity here. And I know people don't want to hear it, and I know people don't want you know, right now, if you go on Twitter right now, Instagram, Facebook, I guarantee you it's burning up. Fire everybody associated with this Eagles organization. You know, and I understand why. You know, because this, this fan base deserves better. And this fan base is, is, is intelligent enough, passionate enough, and football smart enough to know that even if the product is bad, if, these, if they're trying, if they're competitive for four quarters – we can stomach that for now with hopes that it's going to be better on the other side. I don't have hope though. And I, and I think <laughs> because and I think, you're the eternal pessimist, I, and, but I got to call it like I see it as well. I, this is the worst coaching no, job I've ever scared. seen. Right. And all in all honesty, like that's not me like trying to go for top shelf of like a hot take or this is horrible. Like Doug Peterson wasn't this bad. And, and look, you can talk about introductory press comments, all that stuff. Uh, you can talk about Doug Peterson. His first year was not great. I was not one of those people saying fire Doug Peterson after his first mm-hmm. year. He wasn't great his first year either, but he wasn't this terrible. This is okay. dreadful. And okay. also in also in Doug Peterson's first year, people forget Lane Johnson got hurt that year. Or not right. sorry, not, not hurt. He got busted for PEDs, 10 right. game suspension. And that's when the wheels started falling off the wagon big time. For that, uh, for that Eagles offense and really the Eagles team in general. And then they bounced back the following year after he listened to his players say run the football, they ran the football and they were able to make it to a uh, Super Bowl and he had a great coaching performance. We all know the history there. Mm-hmm. But Nick Sirianni, he finds something that they do well and then he gets away from it. 
he finally has 10 days to look on everything in, be in between these last two games, comes out with it, gives us that hope, and I was on the edge of my seat going, thank goodness. All right, I, you root to be wrong a lot of times, especially, you know, if you, Devin, you know, if you grew up here and you root for the Eagles, right, that whole thing, mm -hmm. you, you root to be wrong a lot of times because you have to call it like you see it, but hopefully you're wrong. That yeah. first drive, I went, all right, they ran the ball five times for 25 yards. You got the touchdown with Kenny Gainwell, though. It was a pass fine, whatever. You used the run to set up the pass. I mean, how novel is that? I said earlier, I don't think a tight end got a target till way late in this game in the second half. One target, excuse me. It was the completion to Dallas Goddard that was set up by an actual textbook play action under center, fake the handoff over the head of the defense for a 20-yard gain to Dallas Goddard. Brilliant. And then you never saw that again for the rest of the game. That is egregious coaching, horrid play calling. There's, there's no excuse for it. There's a lot of truth to what you're saying, but I would also counter with this. Number one, I don't know if Nick Sirianni's head coaching material. Based on what we've seen, the samples we've seen so far, I have a lot of question marks about his ability to be a head coach and a leader of a professional football team. But you look at the way some of their games unfolded. Nick Sirianni's not out there dropping the passes. Nick Sirianni's not out there overthrowing. Nick Sirianni's not out there having touchdowns negated because of stupid penalties. Mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni is not out there with the 22 guys who are responsible for being the most penalized team in the National Football League. Nick Sirianni is not the one who snapped the ball at the one-yard line. The guard deflects it. The quarterback doesn't get it. And all of a sudden, that series ends there because of that. Yes, you have to be a leader and you have to hold people accountable, but it goes way beyond that. Okay, it goes way beyond just the coaching staff. The players have to take accountability on themselves. And a lot of this falls in the players' laps as well. I know coach, I know fans are screaming for the coaches' heads, but a lot of this falls in the players as well for not executing what they've been given. All right, let's go to this thing real quick. So you, you mentioned earlier, and I agree with you, and it's what Nick Sirianni said. It's not even an opinion, a statement of fact. He talked about the game plan. He talked about what, where Jalen Hurts is most comfortable. Shotgun's where he's most comfortable. He looked pretty comfortable under center in this particular yes, game. And in yes, that first drive, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat it till you know, so yes, we can't anymore. That first drive, a guy that's not comfortable under center turns around on a play action, perfect pass to Dallas Goddard. You yeah. mean to tell me that's uncomfortable? Then by all means, make him as comfortable, as uncomfortable that's, as possible. That's what I and, say. And, 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 and I'll say this again. We talked about the banged-up offensive line. The offensive line over the last couple of games without Lane Johnson, without Brandon Brooks, by moving Jordan Mailata to right tackle and bringing in uh, Andre Dillard at left mm -hmm. tackle, the, the the offensive line, yes, they've had penalties. That's true. But as far as being able to run the ball or move the football, they have been okay. They yes, haven't they been have. a huge detriment. But what but, has been but, the biggest but, detriment? They shoot themselves in the foot. Certainly. They certainly. are their own worst enemies. The mm -hmm. penalties, the drop balls, the overthrows the ability to allow people just run up and down their gut, the inability to get off the field in third third down in crucial situations. That falls in the players. Oh, at it certainly point, does. It certainly does. See, to me, there's no dogs on this team. you got to have some dogs on this team. Ooh. You know, remember a few years. I think you know, Jason it, Kelsey's a dog, my I, friend. I was, I was just going to say. Dog, you, don't, you don't have enough dogs on you this team? You don't have enough dogs. Yeah. Okay, who do you, okay, who do you have outside of Javon Hargrave and Jason Kelsey? Who? Uh, you know, someone, no. someone just commented Ooh. and said uh, Fletch was pretty fired up in his press conference after the game. But I was just going to say really? my, the lowest point in me for this game that we just watched wasn't even like, well, I guess it technically was during a play is when Jason Kelsey, his helmet came there off. You go. And yep. we never really see him like that. And that right. just to see, it was 
sad. He just seemed frustrated. And I get it was about like, it, it wasn't, he didn't take his helmet off and it wasn't his fault. But like that aside, he just seemed kind of like he was conveying the emotions we were all feeling watching them. And to see a leader like Jason Kelsey, who I think, I mean, we saw his comments on Ben Simmons earlier this week. Like right. he is the ultimate Philly athlete. And to see him so frustrated and upset was definitely the lowest point to me. That was when I was like, we've lost them. Forever. Go back, go They're- back to the go back to the last game. Remember in the fourth quarter uh, when the Eagles were pinned deep in their own territory, and uh, a play uh, went for a loss. It was a hitch pass or something went for a loss. You saw Jason Kelsey walk back to the hole and he threw his hand up in the air like this, like that. That didn't mm-hmm. work. And mm-hmm. I tweet, I tweeted out during the game today, and it's coming. If it keeps on this course, it's coming. I said it's time for another epic Jason Kelsey uh, speech. And I think it's coming. I think it's coming within the next couple of weeks when we hear another symbolic Jason Kelsey speech on, you know, we we, we got to do much better. And um, it could be a profanity laced speech. I wouldn't put it past Jason Kelsey uh, because, we you know, you know what we heard at the Super Bowl. And, of course, when Kelsey has spoken other times when things have gone bad, sometimes you got to hit the bleep button. But, you know, I, I think it's coming. And I don't blame him because if this is a, if this is his last year as a professional athlete, this is not the way he wants to go out. You know, mm-hmm. even if this team didn't make the playoff, if you could walk off that field for the final time, feeling good about, you know what, I and my teammates gave it everything they had and just didn't work out. But you don't want to go out like this. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to go out being one of the worst teams in the National Football League. You know, and, and you're right. To see what, what, what Kelsey did after that play where he uh, got that unsportsmanlike penalty, that's un-Kelsey-like. Because mm-hmm. he knows how to maintain his composure as, any, as well as anybody in the league. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all human. And, you know, we get frustrated. And sometimes frustrations reach a boiling point where we just can't contain it anymore. And I think that's the point Jason Kelsey is at right now. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up in a second, we're going to run through some of the stuff from Nick Sirianni's press conference. We're also going to run through this particular play that we're talking about with Jason Kelsey for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it allows us to vent our frustrations at something other than just the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. Uh, and the other, the, the positive thing to take out of it is try to tell Jason Kelsey he doesn't care about what happens with this Eagles team this year because that'd be damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming up next on Live Post Game Show, which is brought to you by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. More live post-game show on 6abc.com as well as the Jacob Media YouTube channel when we return. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. You know what you can do tomorrow, folks? Get more of a breakdown of the Philadelphia Eagles football team. It'll be brought to you by First Trust Bank. Make sure you check out Jacob Media YouTube channel tomorrow morning for Birds 365 with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what are, what are you giggling, Gunner? What are you doing over there? Who's the giggles? Were you giggling? Two reasons. Number one, I asked Brandon Graham. I said, hey, man, I know you're not doing anything other than sitting on the couch with your leg up. Watching this game, I see. Can you come on for? Can you come on a live post game show for about 10, 15 minutes? He goes, "Ha ha ha! No, gun, I'm good. I don't know what to say after this one." I said, "Well, say what you feel." He said, "No," and he said, "But things are going to change." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Because I'm going to start traveling with the team." I said, "Oh, how convenient! You're going to start traveling when they're going to play an O for Detroit team, and you get to go home <laughs> to Michigan as well." Really? Okay. He just starts laughing. So during the game, I put out there, I said. You know, I wonder if this team will beat Detroit next week. Um, just throwing it out there for conversation. And the comments are hilarious. One guy goes, D-Gun, I'd rather watch you grilling than to watch this team play next week. <laughs> I'm like, that sums it up right here. Man, people are frustrated, man. You know, they, they paid a good hard-earned money. You know, they go out mm-hmm. to places like Vegas. and You know, they, they want to have a good time and, and enjoy the ambiance of the city. But they also want to proudly wear that jersey and, and, and beat their chest and, 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 and have a good time. And by the fourth quarter, you see a lot of fans sitting like this, you know, mm-hmm. looking around like, hey, we can get an early start on the casinos tonight. We don't have to stay here for this. You know, it's, that's where we are right now with this team, man. And, and I feel bad. I really do. I feel bad for a lot of people that pour their heart and soul into this team. I mean, you think about it. You only get 16, 17 chances to watch, unlike any other professional sport where you have a multitude of games and they play several games a week. You get it once a week. You get jacked up, adrenaline pumping once a week for your team to compete. And all you want them to do is compete at the highest level. And if they lose, so be it. But you feel good about the fact that they went down swinging. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of the comments are say, hey, look. I say, they said, look, you look at the way Detroit's playing right now. That team's desperate and they're trying. They took the Rams down to the wire before they lost to the Rams a day. Nobody expected it. They, people, I, I, I'm, I'm included. We all thought the Rams were going to beat this team by at least 30 points. And they took the Rams down to the wire. So what are they going to do? One guy said, hey, DeAndre Swift might have 250 yards rushing next week. I mean, it's getting ugly out there, man. I hate to laugh, but it's funny. What else are you going to do? Cry. <laughs> We're going to cry. I'm going to yeah, I'm going to continue to break down the wall in my house, uh, you know, do yeah. a little remodeling. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's what I'll do. That's that's how I'll enjoy it. Uh, I, I will say uh, before the break. Oh, by the way, John McMullen's going to be joining us from Las Vegas. I guess before he hits the casinos, he'll be joining us. Uh, so we'll talk about all things Eagles with John McMullen when he joins us in just a second. But before the break, I did mention that Jason Kelsey play. We got into that a little bit. Uh, uh, right. Devin, you had mentioned it. I uh, I worked behind the scenes for Sunday Night Football for 11 years. 
I don't think that was Kenny Albert's fault, what, what he had to say during the broadcast. I don't think he saw the play with Jason Kelsey, but he did make a bad call. But I believe he mm-hmm. made a bad call because of re- information that was relayed to him probably from the truck during the broadcast. Mm-hmm. He could not have a worse read of the play, period. And we're talking about the fumble play where Jason Kelsey lose, loses his helmet. He dove on the football. Littleton comes in, the I believe is a linebacker for uh, for right. the uh, Raiders, right. comes diving in after the ball. I don't believe he had ill intent, but you got to be careful with where you're going. He mm. landed on Jason Kelsey's helmet, forcing yeah. his helmet off Jason Kelsey's head. Jason mm. Kelsey, of course, of course, took exception to that, somebody diving at his head, and then gave, uh, gave Littleton a little bit of a push as he got up. Like, instead of getting up by pushing off the ground, Jason Kelsey got up by pushing on Littleton's chest and, and then stood over him and yeah. then stood over him. Littleton then goes to push him off. And I'm not going to put it past him that it was on purpose. Uh, delivered a blow to Jason Kelsey's. Uh, it would be known as a lower body injury. Let's call it that. And uh, then Jason Kelsey gets called for the penalty and you see how fired up he was. The ref apparently didn't see it. Kenny Albert sure as heck didn't see it either. And right. Jason Kelsey ended up getting called for the penalty on that particular play. I have never, I don't think you guys have ever, maybe at the Super Bowl parade, that's the last time we saw Jason Kelsey, that fired up, and it was for a totally different reason. That play was horribly called. It was horribly called by the officiating crew. It was horribly called by the broadcast because they never actually showed why the little melee skirmish kerfluffle, if you will, actually happened on the football field. So for those that missed it, that's what happened. What did you say? A what? (laughs) A, a, a melee shuffle? A melee? A kerfluffle. A kerfluffle? Is that what you said? Yes. Kerfluffle. Okay. That's, okay. that's, well, that's for, not a football term all... I'm used to. Okay. <laughs> you know who taught me give... that term? Trey Thomas. That's not surprising given his brief appearance on this show. I feel like he, he would use terminology like that. Um, I appreciate oh that Jason Kelsey in that moment of, I don't know, anger, frustration – still paid homage to Allen Iverson. It was like a little bit of a, of a step over move in a way when he kind of stood over a little bit. Step over um, was a little, was a little okay. Iverson step over ask. I don't know. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe. Look, I I'm like just that. trying to find the positive spin to this. Um, and you just made me lose my train of thought with that because you guys don't agree with my step over comment. So. <laughs> no, no. I love, the, I love the step over comment. I like that. Oh, uh, oh I was going to say, I Mark, you're probably right because what – when you're on air, I always say one of the most frustrating parts is that we get blamed for all the mistakes when it's usually someone, a uh, producer or someone in, in a truck kind of telling us the wrong information. Yeah, here's what not, happened. Not giving yeah. us a cue or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for instance, some, oh, K- Kelsey probably took his helmet off to yell at the ref. Not at mm-hmm. all what happened. And that's probably yeah. what was related to Kenny Albert. Uh, uh, I do want to say this real quick. Um, where did we see this? Um, Nick Sirianni acknowledged after the game that the – Fumbled snap was not a drop by Jalen Hurts, but rather because, as we said earlier, uh, Driscoll hitting it with his hand uh, barely as he was pulling to make the block. That's why the fumbled snap happened at the uh, the goal line situation that they had there in the uh, fourth, third, third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, but that's what Nick Sirianni had to say about it after the game. We'll get more on that, by the way, from John McMullen. He'll be joining us momentarily from Vegas when everything wraps up. I do look forward to hearing what John had to say about Fletcher Cox apparently being all fired up, Gunner. You were saying after about the game time. about time, yeah. about time he's fired up. Let me see some of that fire in your play on the field. He's on. It's about time you get fired up. But going back to that play you were talking about, Jalen Hurts. Okay, the ball was slightly deflected, and even if he dropped it, is something wrong with 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 Jalen Hurts' knees? Because did you look at how he went after the ball? 
Why don't you just pounce on the ball like you were pouncing on a live hand grenade or something? He barely bent down to try to recover the ball. Next, <laughs> do you know, Devin? Stop, stop. I'm no, no, no. Be... I'm laughing because I didn't realize. No. I didn't. I agree with you. He did kind of. He was kind of like. Devin I don't know the whole. It. The whole thing was kind of embarrassing to watch. Like, and I'm sorry, it's not funny. Like, I, I'm just at. It is of, funny. Like, I'm beyond tears. I'm at laughter and just. I don't even know what else to think anymore, but it was, that was really embarrassing. And I, I'm glad to know that it wasn't totally his fault, but he did bend down and get it kind of gingerly. I, so, I, 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 did you say gingerly? Yes. <laughs> we are batting Look, a thousand with our yeah, adjectives today. I, I will, I will admit it, Devin. It was funny to me. It was funny because mm -hmm. unless you, unless your pants were too tight that you can't bend over, you were worried about splitting the right. seam in the back or something. There's no way you shouldn't have pounced on that football. There's no way you should not have pounced. He's standing there like this, slightly bent knees, and all of a sudden, ball's gone. Like, what's mm. he doing? Mm. But see, these are all mental mistakes made by players. Mm. We can blame X amount of this on the coaching staff. Absolutely. But the players are equally to blame for the mental gaffes they've had for I don't know how long. Every mm. week we're talking about this. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about it again the week after that. But hopefully there's a W somewhere along this uh this dark cloud right now somewhere yeah i don't know where but somewhere shock the world let's shock the world and get shock, a w against the, the lions gonna win. yeah my, my question is are we ever going to win a game at home because what are we zero for three mm. and, and our next one is the chargers so yes you, you will win one of the two divisional one. games either the giants or reds uh, i keep saying redskins the washington football team you'll win one of those games at home one of those okay. mark it down Mark it down. I'm not so sure anymore. I don't know. I'm marking I'm it down right now on my little pocket schedule, Gunner. Gunner says I could be optimistic this week. No, I didn't say this week. I said one no. of those home games. Yeah, the we no, I said uh, let's see the Chargers, the, 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 the Washington. Okay, Washington. We'll go Washington yeah, here. We'll that's uh, oh, yeah. that's December 18th or 19th. That's yeah, a TBD. Then, that's good. Yes, yeah, to be determined. Yeah. All right, and you but, know what? You know what we're gonna have to do then, Gunner, because uh what? Somebody said they'd rather watch you grill. I think we need to watch you grill, and we'll do a show from your home, and then afterwards you feed us. Yeah, I like that. No, That's no, idea. no, like no, that. no. See, the cost of meat is too high. Had you caught me a couple I, of years I ago, ship in. I would, I would have complied with your wishes. But you know, nowadays with the cost of meat, you know, mm, yeah. um, plus this, just too much commotion, Miles. You don't want to be here, man. I got three dogs running around, a two and a half year old demolition expert running around here. You don't want to be in here, man. You come here, you want peace and tranquility. Mm. That doesn't yeah. exist in this environment. Mm. That's why I'm borderline insane. You always ask me, Mark, <laughs> what is wrong with you? You have no idea. Do you have a couple of days that I can yeah. tell you what's wrong? I'm only on chapter yeah. one of what's wrong with you, and I know there's yeah, like 19 let's more. Let's unpack it. Yeah. <laughs> if the Eagles keep losing this post-game show, we'll just turn into a therapy session for D-Gun. You can just unpack all the commotion that's happening over there. You're going to have to because it's going to get a whole lot worse. You, if you think I'm I'm, I'm I'm ranting now, let this keep happening. Oh, my goodness. It's going to get a lot worse. Devin, you may have to hire me a therapist before it's all said and done. <laughs> all right. I, I'm just telling you. Can't take gonna, much more of this. We're going to talk to John McMullen in a little bit. A lot of interviews going on, so he's tracking down everybody. So he's doing yeoman's, yeoman's, yeoman's work. Yeoman's work. That's what he's doing. Uh, and uh, we're going to go through a couple of things here. I, I, I have to know this because, Gunnar, you and I – disagree on the uh the onside kick i i would not okay. have gone for the onside kick coming out of halftime there was two the one coming out of halftime would not have done the fourth and one that actually worked for them in their right. own territory i right. i just thought was was bonkers like i just 
Hey, it worked. They ended up not getting a touchdown or a score on that drive, but I thought that was crazy as well. There's a couple other plays there. You mentioned earlier the uh, the fourth down situation where they brought the offense of the Raiders back onto the football field when their yes. punt was on the was on the field. Right. There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to be able to run through when John when he joins us, and he'll join us coming up after the break. But I do want to make sure people know that we are brought to you none other than by the great people of Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. John McMullen will join us live from Las Vegas coming up after this. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, live post-game show. Was that, that wasn't another giggle, was it, Gunner? Was that another giggle? Did you no, I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all giggled out. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm borderline depressed right now um, uh, because I know it's not going to get much better than it is right now. Yeah. You, can't, you cannot change uh, the personnel. You, you, you're not, you can't overhaul the personnel at this point of the season. Hmm. It's going to have highs and lows for the rest of the way, and unfortunately I feel it's going to have more lows than highs. 
you know, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm trying to be more like Devin, but it's just not in my DNA. Ooh. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. but I got well, I'm honored. I'm honored yeah. that you want to be like me. Dean. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to a happier place like you are, but I can't with this team. I got something got, for you. Gunner, what, I, got, what, I, got, I can put you in your happy place. I can put you it, in your happy it, place right now. Is it medicine? Medi medication? Well, it what can is, be. Knowing you, okay. it probably is medicine. Uh, okay. Kevin Kevin is uh, offering to buy the meat for you so is that it? we can, uh, you know, grill at your house and stuff. Uh, do I have to invite Kevin, too? Uh, why not? Of course, if these guys buying the meats, then yes. You know, yes. it's funny. You know, and I know I, I hate to say this, but. You know, for years, a lot of my co-workers, uh, my former co-workers at NBC Sports Philly, yeah, um, and, you know, they would always ask me, hey, D-Gun, how come you don't invite us over for a cookout or something? And I would always, always tell them, as I tell you, I love you as people, mm. but to me, it's like church and state. You have to keep <laughs> separated. But you, you would invite to... me. You would invite me because I'm your hero, your role model. You're right. You yeah. be you like know, I, would, I would make a concession. There have been a few co-workers who have actually been down here and 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 you know, partaking in D guns, you know, family atmosphere and grill outs and stuff. I can't reveal those names because Farzetta would go to him and probably say, How do you get past D guns' angry facade? How do you get past that <laughs> to get an invite? So I can't tell you who, but there have been people out there that can say, You know what? I've been to D guns' house. He's actually a pleasant fellow away from work. <laughs> hmm. Who would have thought? I'm Listen to that. Listen to that. Uh, Kevin's also telling us that he lives up in northern New Hampshire, so he would have oh. to ship the meat. He'd have to ship the meat. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, Gunner, you get to talk yeah. to your hero every week yeah. with uh, with Devin Caney being on the yeah. show. Obviously, I get yeah. to talk to my hero in John McMullen, who's joining us right now from Las Vegas. That's what you call a transition, folks. Uh, and he's presented by <laughs> Mesa Law and Associates. Need a tough injury lawyer? Call Mesa and Associates. John McMullen from Vegas, baby, Vegas. John, how are you, bud? I'm doing well. Yeah, that was very professional, Mark. And and, and much <laughs> like, I don't know about Derek inviting Devin over. I, I don't know if I'm buying either of you two guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. John, we are we're all uh, we're all figuring out what the heck happened in this game tonight. Uh yeah, out there in Las Vegas for the people that made the trip. Congratulations, you went to Vegas. Not so much congratulations. You saw the Eagles put in this type of game. Everybody was feeling good in that opening uh, drive, John. And then the rest of the game happened. What did Nick Sirianni say after the game about how well the opening drive went compared to the rest of the game? Yeah, it was like uh, uh, four minutes in the desert. It was like a mirage in the desert. Everybody is excited. Not only did the Eagles go right down and score, but they scored the way the fans want them to score. Yes. Jalen Hurts under center. He's handing the football off in a traditional fashion, and that sets up the play action for Dallas Goddard. And then finally, they throw it over the middle of the field to Kenny Gainwell for a touchdown. They never throw the football over the middle of the field. Uh, so it all just, it was like, <laughs> it, it was like the football gods playing a trick on the Philadelphia fans. And then from that moment, the switch went on and they went right back to being the Eagles uh, of 2021, the exact same team. So why? And, you know, why? I, why? What, what would Nick Sirianni have to say for why that happened? Well, you know, it. first of all, I, I think it was interesting for the first time. We kind of I'm not going to say he threw the defense under the bus, but he made allusions to the defense not doing its job. Fletcher Cox threw the defense under the bus, threw Jonathan Gannon under the bus. 
Uh, what do you guys hear? His interview, if you didn't get a chance to see it, um, not good. I, I go back to training camp, and Nick told us this story about Frank Reich. Frank Reich started one and four in Indianapolis. You might remember, remember it's the first time Nick hit, hit the podium really hard. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm doubling down. Frank said he's doubling down. People are looking at him. Everybody's looking at Nick Sirianni saying, what the heck is going on here? I don't know what the heck is going on here because they don't look like they have a plan on the offensive side of the football, the defensive side of the football. This is what we were worried about with this young coaching staff coming to fruition. I don't think they know what the heck is going on. And I don't want people to look at these statistics because this happens every week now. It's 30 to seven. The game's over. It's over. There's no sense of urgency for the Raiders. They're just playing out the clock. And the Eagles put up some yardage, and it doesn't look that bad on the final stat sheet. It was worse than you could have imagined. They were awful. Hey, John, John, I can't let you off the hook that easy, man. You threw threw the bait out there, and and now I've taken the bait. I keep hearing about this Fletcher Cox tirade. So you got to give us the Kribnos version of what he said about Jonathan Gannon and the defense overall. Well, we've known for a while that Fletcher's frustrated about the way he's being played, uh, whether it's five technique right. or four eye technique. And, he, you know, he's had a lot of success under Jim Schwartz being a three technique. And, and Jim just told him, go get the quarterback, this incredible aggressiveness. Uh, and now he's being asked to play a different way. And he's watching quarterbacks. You know, what was Derek Carr today? Uh, 31 of 34. Yeah. You think about Derek Carr. So he misses three passes. One of them was the interception to Avante Maddox. One of them was at the end of the half. I think Hunter Renfro dropped the football on purpose because he realized the clock was coming down. They had to kick the field goal. There's one legit incompletion <laughs> in the entire game for Derek Carr. And you got Fletcher Cox, and, and he's just basically fuming up there, saying he's not being asked to be aggressive. He wants to be – he's being passive. He's – occupying blockers. He's really, really upset about the way he's being used. He's really upset about the way they play defense. And look, I'm torn on this. I got to be honest with you. They don't have the personnel to blitz. They don't have the personnel to uh, play uh, man-to-man coverage outside of Darius Slay. So Gannon's come up with this thought process of make these teams go 15, 16 plays, 10-plus plays all the time and hope they make a mistake and you get off the field. That's exactly what happened on the first drive. The Raiders went right down the field. 96 yards. Yeah. Derek Carr made the one bad throw off the running back, interception, you're off the field. But that was it. It never happens any other time. It's death by a 1,000 cuts. And I think players would rather get beat by the big play then be out there for 15 plays and just keep getting first down after first down after first down. Bottom line is they don't have the personnel, especially a linebacker, but also in the secondary. Um, well, yeah. It, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, John, but it, I mean, no, that's going to be my follow-up question. And we talk about this. We've already talked about this on the, on our show, which is, you know, is it the players? Is it the, is it the lack of talent or is it the coaching? And I'm sure it's a bit, a bit of both, but are you saying that you think that you would probably side more with Jonathan Gannon and his scheme or 
lack thereof in this situation over yeah, and Fletcher I, Cox? I, I, I know I do side more with Gannon, and I know that upsets people because they haven't seen the success. But I understand his plan. I always say this with Gannon versus Sirianni, really. I understand what Gannon is trying to do. It doesn't work. It's ugly. It hasn't worked. But I, I have a complete understanding of what he's trying to accomplish. I have no idea what Nick's trying to accomplish. And to be honest, that first drive, which everybody's thrilled about, that's not what he's he wants to do. So he's doing that, in my estimation, to acquiesce to critics and that that you're not going to be a successful coach if you do that. So well, how about sticking with what works? Like that worked. So why wouldn't he do that more? Well, he 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 doesn't do it in the in the first place because okay, think about week one, Mark. Nobody knew what to expect. The Eagles look great, little chip Kelly vibes. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what was going on. Atlanta looked flat footed. You saw that in drive number one with the Raiders. They come out of this mini buy. The Raiders think they're going to see RPOs, slip screens, bubble screens, all that. And they come out and they see a traditional offense and they look, you know, they look like a deer in the headlines. They're like, what's going on here? Uh, and then the adjustments start to come. We saw it after Atlanta. Everybody jumps on the Eagles' bubble screens. Everybody understands they're not going over the top. If they try to go over the top, the quarterback's not accurate enough to, to, to hurt you. The same thing would happen if they played under center. It would probably be worse, though, because then you're asking the inaccurate quarterback to throw the football and play action all the time. So, look, it's a personnel issue before a coaching issue. But if you're talking Gannon versus Sirianni, at least I understand what Gannon, Gannon's plan is. I don't, I don't even understand what Nick's plan is at this point. All right, Mark, so, I, you seem – oh, no, sorry, D, guys. No, Mark ahead, just looked fired up, so I was going to yeah. let you uh, get your get your thoughts out there. But, D, gonna tell you. No, no, go ahead. No. <laughs> no. So, no I so, mean, for, just this for me. I mean, in all honesty, John, I, I'm, I'm beyond frustrated with myself. All right, I'm beyond, beyond frustrated – just because, yes, it's what people have been calling for. And I, I couldn't help it. During the game, I was going back to Jason Kelsey's speech. And I know some people dismissed it as more pandering. But I felt like he was fair and honest with people. Like I think he was fair and honest with the questions he was asked. And when he talks about, you can't act like the fans don't know what they're talking about. Well, sometimes they don't. But a lot of times they do. And I thought, I thought, that's what, honestly, I know some people might not like that person. I loved that part because that was the realest part. Some people want to push that aside because they want to build it up as this great, you know, uh, you know, tribute to the fans, but it, it's what made that so honest. But guess what? Sometimes the fans are right. A lot of the time, sometimes media people are right. A lot, a lot of the times and putting Jalen hurts in a situation where maybe traditionally he's been a lot more uncomfortable. He looked pretty comfortable when you're, when you were setting up the pass with the run, like that old cliche, and I saw a Jalen Hurts that looked like he could have run that offense a couple of more times throughout the game, even with Miles Sanders going out early in this game with the ankle injury. To me, that's a situation where you just keep on using it until it, it doesn't work anymore. And instead, rather than let it not work, you killed it. <laughs> rather than wait for the Raiders to kill it, you killed it yourself. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 you know, the second drive, they were backed up. 
so that affected things. Uh, they had a penalty at some points. And I, I, I don't think necessarily what happens is I will agree. Like the minute this team gets down, right. it's everything's out the window. It's panic time. It's we got to get back. I, I, I've said it a lot. This team can't play from behind. Not only can't they play from behind, they don't want to play from behind because they know they don't have a chance when they're playing from behind. So it's almost this fight to take the lead. They were able to do it today. And, you know, that that Maddox interception was probably the big point of the game for them. They had to take advantage of it. They had to extend it to try to get to a two-score lead and maybe things stay in a, a more traditional fashion. But what I see with this coaching staff, and it's not just Nick, it's the entire offensive coaching staff. Okay, they get their their scripted plays, and today they worked. And once they're over, they either get incredibly redundant or they go in a completely different direction when it they basically look at the quarterback and say, okay, run around and make something happen. I I, I mean it's I don't want to blame it on youth. I don't want to blame it on inexperience because Nick has been an assistant coach in this league. He's been an offensive coordinator. Um, look, I, I think the personnel isn't great. I, I, I think that's fair. Uh, it's tough to play in this league consistently. If you're getting quarterback play like the play they're getting, uh, the receivers were bad again. Um Dallas Goddard was really good. Miles was good, but he was hurt early. The offensive line, once, you know, the, the, the game turned in a negative direction, it became a jailbreak. And I think the defense started to give up and on, on Jonathan Gannon a little bit in the second half. And by the way, you can look at the desperation of this team with the fourth and one at their own 30, whatever it was, um, the onside kick. There's a little desperation as well. And that, yeah. players see that. Players see that. Hey, hey John, um, I, I, I've had the fortune to cover this game a long time, and I've seen many scenarios like this. <clears throat> and the one thing that I'm really going to start looking for now, and it's already started, uh, we saw the frustration. We've seen the frustration of Kelsey in fig- physical gestures on the field the last two games. Now one of your team leaders, the highest paid player on your defense, Fletcher Cox is speaking out. If this continues to snowball downward, you're going to get more and more players becoming a little bit braver speaking out, and it's going to have an adverse effect on everything they try to do when they step on the football field moving forward. Yeah, and that's why I brought up the, that Frank Reich story that Nick tells and because and, everybody's looking at him now buddy's looking at him and saying all right what are you going to do this is falling apart this is not going the way we expected it to go and you're right you see jason kelsey showing obvious frustration on the field fletcher cox uh saying it in verbal form um these are big time players you know november 2nd is obviously the trade deadline i would bet my bottom bottom dollar that fletcher hopes he's moved yeah um but I, that's not going to happen because of his salary. Uh, yeah, this could get ugly. This could get ugly. And and next week, I don't want to look ahead to next week, but Detroit, and I don't know, you guys probably, they were hanging in. I assume they yeah, lost. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, 
if they beat this team, whew, that then that it, it'll get really bad. I've been saying. I feel like we're 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 already there. I I'm we're like at the rock bottom. I don't know what what's below rock bottom, but we might hit it next uh, Sunday. Um, John, I want to know. You know, in terms of trades, I've heard you know, rumors or people speculating that, that the Eagles will try to make some moves um, if not to fix this team and not turn it around by any means. Cause I don't think one trade is going to do that. But uh, if you had to speculate or have you heard anything about aside from Fletcher Cox, any movement before the trade deadline? Well, one trade could turn it around, but I refuse to talk about that person. Well, now you have to talk about <laughs> because, it. Now you have to talk. Well, he doesn't, I, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play here. So he hasn't waived okay. his no trade clause. Uh, so the Eagles are not in that conversation. They want them, but they're not in that conversation. Now, if he changes his mind, um, because it doesn't, but Miami wants him badly and that's where he wants to be. And that's ultimately uh, where I think he's going to be. And I'm not talking about the off the field stuff, just the on the field stuff. But um, as far as trades and the Eagles go, I mean, there's not, like I said, Fletcher Cox is too expensive. Um mm. So a lot of the veteran players, I, one guy I look at is Steve Nelson because he's cheap. He's on a one-year deal. He's not a long-term um, uh, long-term option at quarterback. Uh, he's sort of a Band-Aid, and he's playing well. Well, except for today. Uh, he, he played poorly, but he had been playing well up until today. And there's a ton of injuries across this league at the cornerback position. He's proven himself to be a, a starter, not only here, but in Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I think he's a guy that maybe you can get something back for. And that's what Howie Roseman should consider at this point, because this team is not a contender. So if you have a veteran player who's not going to be here next year if you, and you can get something for him, why not? And people talk about compensatory picks. Well, remember, compensatory picks have to do with how many free agents you bring in and how many you lose. For years, the Eagles were losing more than they would bring in because they thought they were a contender. Now they're going to bring in a bunch of free agents because they're going to have a ton of money. Carson Wentz is off the books. They can sign a lot of players. They're not going to be in the mix for compensatory picks. So everybody goes nuts about that. You don't have to worry about it. All right, I mean, I won't worry. that's of all the things that I'm worried about right now with this team. That'll be that's the, that'll <laughs> go got, way, got, way down the bottom. Inside baseball, there. I get frustrated <laughs> with compensatory pick <laughs> Copy that. Copy that. Um, what do you think is going through Jeffrey Lowry's mind right now, John? Can we play mind reader for a second? Uh, Howie Roseman's still here, most likely going to have those three first round picks. Uh, Nick Sirianni is your is your head coach and your play caller right now. I mean, you have to be getting frustrated as an owner as well, despite the fact that you might also be thinking, oh, it's still the first half of the season, second half of the season should get easier. What do you think Jeff Laurie is thinking right now? Um, well, by the I assume Jeffrey's here, but I haven't seen him, so I can't I can't guarantee it. But um it, it, the the time between uh, between the end of the game and <clears throat> Nick Sirianni's press conference was very lengthy. So typically that's when Jeffrey or Howie or both will grab the coach uh, before he goes into the press conference. I, I can't imagine he's happy. Um, but, you know, 
Jeffrey Laurie hired this guy and he, and he was off the radar and he, he never had a head coaching interview before. Never mind uh, anybody talking about him becoming a head coach. So Jeffrey's kind of married to Nick Sirianni. I think anybody who's thinking that this is going to be a one and done. The only way that happens if they end up at two wins at the end of the year or three wins. And I mean, in other words, things go colossally poorly. Uh, otherwise, he's going to get an opportunity um, to get better players to fit his schemes that he wants to run. And maybe you see improvements. And I do think you will see improvement if this team got one or two linebackers on the defensive side. And and I hate to say it, a quarterback on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Uh <laughs> It's going to be a while, though, unfortunately. My <laughs> just, I just feel like going to be terrible. <laughs> I'm concerned for Mark's well-being at the moment. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, you know, you need tough love at times. And, you know, we're two and five or seven games through, through this season. And, look, you're either honest with yourself or you're not. And, I, I I'm you know, I know exactly how Nick Sirianni – uh, judges quarterbacks because um, he he's told me and other p- people on multiple occasions accuracy is number one decision making is number two off schedule ability is number three number four is arm strength um, you check one of those boxes number three with Jalen Hurts uh, the Eagles believe his arm strength is fine uh, for what you need in the NFL. Uh, and that's, you know, people think about Aaron Rodgers thrown at 70 yards. You don't throw the football 70 yards in a typical NFL game. It's not about Hail Marys. If you can throw the ball 45, year, 45 yards and get it out on time and hit mm-hmm. people down the field, that's fine. So they believe he's got an NFL-level arm. They do not believe he has the accuracy to play in this league, and they do not believe he has the decision-making to play in this league at this point. And I can't disagree with them. Hey, hey, John, uh, if it continues to go its current course, how long do you think it will be before we start seeing maybe Gardner Minshew playing a series, playing a quarter, playing a half, and eventually being now announced as the starter? Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen because the Eagles don't think he's the answer either, and they don't want that added. Um, um controversy on top of the controversy they already have. Um, I think the organization now firmly understands that um, their long-term quarterback is, is probably not here right now. Um, and he's either going to be uh, gotten via trade or uh, in the draft. And unfortunately it doesn't look like very early in the process, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a great quarterback draft. No. Um, So, you know, they might have to go uh, a year uh, or two with bridge-type quarterbacks, and who knows, Gardner Minshew can get into that equation uh, later. But I think Jalen's going to continue to play uh, unless he gets injured. Um, And, you know, it's going to be a tough season. John, are you at least spending the night out there in Vegas, or are you coming right home? Uh, half and half. I'm leaving at five in the morning. So oh. I'm not going to oh. sleep tonight. 
Absolutely not. Yes, that's what we want to hear, John. Why go to Vegas if you're going to leave that early? Well, uh, Tika, I've done all my. You know, I, I, I'm only, I'm only here for the game, and I'm leaving. I'm not Mm. here for vacation. I've been here times. I've been here many times for vacation. Well, yeah, but do you? How many times have you been on the company dime, though? That's 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 a little different. It's a little different. That's true, and that's why I'm coming home early. Guess mm. that's why. No, see, you know, they, okay. I, I, my, my former employer used to do that to us. Hey, we need you back on the earliest flight possible. We fought that until the point we, we decided when we were coming back home. So we would catch 10 a.m., 11 a.m. flights. Get back home a little bit later. Because if you wanted to go well, out the problem with nice Vegas dinner, now is, uh, and I, I, the problem with Vegas now is it's impossible to get here. And it's even more difficult to get out. It used uh, to be easy. and But now that there's a casino in every city. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've changed the business model and they've made it really, really difficult. So there's not one flight out that doesn't have a connection, which is amazing to me. That's ridiculous. Oh, I know. John, safe travels, safe travels, and uh, have fun tonight, however much fun you can. That would still put you at the airport at 5 a.m. So good luck with good luck to you, my friend. Play a slot (laughs) machine for me, would you? I've already done that. <laughs> John, John McMullen and, and, joining us. And, and, and real quick, I came out like the Eagles, if anybody wants to. <laughs> John McMullen joining us, brought to us by the great people yep. uh, with Mesa Law and Associates. See the tough injury lawyer called Mesa and Associates. And by the way, yeah, you don't even go to Vegas when you got a place like Ocean Casino Resort, folks. Go for the live show. Go for the win. Ocean Casino Resort. When we come back, there is one person that had a very, very lucky day today. Probably the luckiest guy in America right now. We'll talk about him when we come back here on the live postgame show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Welcome back, live post game show. Uh, Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, John McMullen just joined us live from Las Vegas, where he's actually leaving really early tomorrow. So he's going to stay up late and have himself a good time. Good, good for John. That's great. Uh, there is one lucky person. Who do you think? Uh, Devin, I'll ask you first. Who is the oh, no. luckiest person in America right now? Nick Sirianni after Nick Sirianni. Avanti Maddox got that interception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is incorrect. Uh, oh. D- Derek Gunn, who do you think is the luckiest person in America right now? Zach Ertz. That would be correct. Zach no. Ertz. Oh. Zach Ertz. Not only did he catch his first touchdown. Well, first off, uh, Ertz, th- this guy is just amazing. 5,000 meals is his goal out there in uh, Arizona. He's yep. partnering up that, to help feed that community now. The guy wastes no time. He wastes no time helping that community like he does here at the Earth Family Foundation. Uh, and then he goes and scores his first touchdown. And on top of that, you know what else he does? He gets out of this mess here in Philadelphia. And you can't, I can't even be mad. I will say the Earth's trade, like, I don't know if I've ever been that emotionally affected by a trade of a Philly athlete in quite some time, just because he, he's been with us for so long. He's, he got us a Super Bowl. I love Zach Ertz. He does so much for the community. But I was genuinely happy because I'm like, you know what? He got out. He got out, and now he's going to get another ring with the Cardinals, and he deserves that. So I can't even be upset about it. Uh, undefeated Cardinals, and he gets a touchdown in his first game there. Mm-hmm. Ah, good for that guy. Luckiest man in America. <laughs> uh, you know, Devin, you, you reminded me of that because we, we teased it earlier. Just uh, Can we play a little game of yay or nay real quick? With, like, can we? I, I, have, I made some notes here on Nick Sirianni. Uh, with my brand new legal pads that I ordered because I try to do an impression of a professional every once in a while. Um, yay or nay on the fourth and one situation from their own 34 yard line gunner. Yay or nay on that play call. Nay. Nay. Yeah. I'm on you and me on same uh, Devin. Yay or nay on going for it. Fourth and one, your own 34. Seven, seven ball game. Yay. Yay! Yay. Because, you, you, yeah. because why not? You know. <laughs> what, what are we going to be worse than we are by a little? Right. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. Like, can we bring the phrase "Yolo" back? Because like Yolo. Yolo. Oh Just my god! Yes, we can definitely bring back Yolo. Please, by all means. Uh, let's oh, do the onside kick coming out of the second half. I say nay emphatically. Gunner, you were a yay earlier, em- correct? Emphatic yay. An emphatic, emphatic yay. yay. Yes. Devin, emphatic break yay. break the tie. Yay or nay? I'm going to go yay again. Same reason. 
Why not? Look at these we optimistic people. What, optimistic have you got, people. what have you got to lose? I mean, everything's going bad. You're trying to catch them off guard. If it works, we're sitting here talking about what a brilliant call at the right time. But now we sit here as lounge chair coaches saying that was a stupid call. No, it wasn't because I've seen other teams do it and it's worked. Yeah. Now, you know, it's a hit or miss. It's 50 50, but you take that chance. You're doing, you're trying to do something to spark your team. You're trying to give them some momentum back in a hostile environment in a situation where after you score the initial touchdown of the game, it's been all Raiders from that point on. So you try to regain the momentum any way you can. It didn't work, but at least you tried. It wasn't like it was a two minutes left. Two minutes left in the game of a close game. You came out of the locker room at halftime. Okay, they're getting the ball. And if I'm a coach's staff, I'm thinking, what are the prospects of us stopping them after watching what they did to our defense the first 30 minutes of this game? So, yeah, let's try to get the ball back as soon as we can see if we can get something on the board. Okay, all right. Next yeah. one, we talked about this earlier. Let's uh, circle back to it because we didn't spend enough time on it. Uh, we're talking about the play with Nick Sirianni where he had the Oakland Raiders offense off the field. Avante Maddox came up on a third and 15, made the stop to make it a fourth and five. Nick Sirianni, instead of declining, instead of accepting the penalty, or excuse me, instead of declining the penalty, accepts it. They get another crack at a first down. This time they get the 70-yard bomb down the field, and they set up a touchdown after that. So, what, yay or nay on having the offense of the Raiders come back on the field? I say nay. Nay, 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 nay. You know, some guy, when I when I mentioned it on social media, some guy said, well, you know, the analytics uh, said that, you know, you should go for that. I'm like, wait, what a- analytics? See, that's the problem with the game. You know, everybody wants to talk about analy- analytics. I like a coach who has a feel for the game, you know, and at that particular time, I'm not giving this team another shot. I mean, Derek Carr is hot. We've already said we got completed how many passes in a row before you had an incompletion. And especially the way my defense has been playing at that juncture, why would I give them another chance? And lo and behold, on a third and 15, what happens? Bomb down the, down the, down the field, and they pick up a first down. No. So, so definitely a nay in that situation. All right. Devin, what say you? Hard no. Anyone who said yes to that, like I, I would – how? You talk about analytics? What I – I literally was like, did he just make a mistake? Like, did he accidentally, you know, make a wrong call? Cause like, I wouldn't put it past Nick Sirianni at this point to do that, to just make a genuine mistake and, you know, make a wrong call like that because it was so mind blowing. It was so like, I could be head coach and make a better call than that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You, I'm just even the referees thought he was going to decline it. And the refs are like, you sure? You sure about this? You, you, you really want to accept this penalty? Okay. Have you been watching your team play? Okay. You go right ahead, Nick. Do what you got to do. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So we, 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 we are a house divided in a lot of these areas. And then some totally united. Now, I wanted to uh, mention this real quick. I'm getting this from Jeff McClain. We had talked a couple of times already about Fletcher Cox being very open and honest with the media about his role in this offense or this defense. And he's been very open and honest about this for the entire season. Like, right. He's not covering it up well <laughs> that he doesn't like whatever this scheme is from Jonathan yeah. Gant. So he, uh, uh, Fletcher Cox comes out and says, I don't get paid getting this by Jeff McClain, Philly Inquirer. Uh, I don't get paid to play screens. I get play. I get paid to get sacks one more time. I don't get paid to play screens. I get paid to get sacks. Okay, I, I agree with him. This man, this man's claim to fame was being able to get upfield, to push the pocket back. And now you're asking him to sit, hold a spot, 
and take up space so that uh, somebody else can 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 make the play. I don't blame him one bit because who's getting a lot of the criticism? Fletcher Cox. Okay, so he's getting a lot of criticism for playing a role that he does not want to play in, and he has tried to be as diplomatic as he could possibly be without going off the deep end. Well, today he went off the deep end. Now let's see how the defensive coaching staff responds to his wishes. I don't think they're going to respond much. They're going to sit and talk. You know, Fletch, if you got a problem, come to me. Let's alter it a little bit. But here's the reason why I need you to, to approach the job description as such. And they'll move forward. And if it doesn't work, Fletch is going to have another session where he's going to explode again. And then a few more players will jump on the bandwagon and explode. And a few more until it, it, it makes the coaching staff in general ex, it look extremely bad, worse than it already does. Uh, to where to, to to a point where I'm sure Sirianni, Howie, Jeffrey are sitting down having talks because basically Sirianni's taking all the bullets. Howie and Howie and Jeffrey can hide behind closed doors; they don't have to answer these questions. It's <laughs> Sirianni and, and and Jonathan Gannon who have to face the music. So I've seen this happen too many times, and slow, and lo and behold, it's already starting to happen again. Mm. I don't want to ever hear from Fletcher Cox. It's not my job or I don't get paid to fill in the blank. Like when you're making the most money, you get paid to help a team win. And I don't agree with Jonathan Gannon and his scheme or lack thereof or whatever he wants to do. I don't agree with it because I believe if you have big dogs on your team, you let them eat, man. And that's what Fletcher Cox has to do. That's why as a coach, you're paid to put players in a better position to actually have success. And if Fletcher Cox is at his best going after the quarterback, then mm-hmm. unleash the hounds, man. Let, right. him Let him go. Let him go. Mm-hmm. Let however, him go. However, if you are top paid dog on a defense, which, by the way, you're not only top paid dog on a team, by the way, when you're talking about Fletcher Cox, you're also a guy that the team is invested in so heavily because they don't invest in the linebackers. They don't invest in linebackers because they believe all about the trenches, which is where the games are won and lost. Nobody's denying that. Mm-hmm. They look at Fletcher Cox saying, we don't need linebackers. We got Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. First six weeks of the season, you see nothing but production from uh, Javon Hargrave. This game, you don't really see production from either of these guys getting into the backfield to, to wreak havoc or anything like that. So if you're going to ignore an entire position group like you are right now with linebackers and have been really doing for the last 20 years – because of your defensive line, well, Fletcher Cox, I'm sorry. You don't get paid just to get after the quarterback. You're getting paid to help this defense be anchored around you as a defensive tackle. I don't, I'm not championing whatever Jonathan Gannon wants to do as a defensive coordinator, but the last thing I want to hear right now as a, as a guy that likes when this team wins, I like it a lot, and I know a lot of people commenting right now like it when they win too. The last thing mm-hmm. we want to hear from a top-paid athlete is, I don't get paid to do that, I get paid to do this. You get paid to help this team win. Fletcher and Cox, the best of your abilities right now, that's the last thing I want to hear post game. Fletcher Cox is the consummate competitor. He wants to compete. Basically, what he's saying is he's not being allowed to compete at the highest level to the best of his ability. If you look at a lot of the better D tackles in this game and D, D, defensive ends, where do they get their claim to fame? Attacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you imagine the Rams asking Aaron Donald just to, to lay back and play a screen? Are you kidding right. me? Right. No. That's not going to happen. And Fletcher Cox was at his best when he's moving up the field, collapsing the pocket, splitting double-team blockers. That's Fletcher Cox. So there's a good portion of me that I, I feel for him. I feel exactly for him. Because basically, hey, look, I'm taking all these verbal shots from the media and the fan base, but people don't know what's going on here. 
So I shouldn't mm-hmm. be the one taking all the shots without ha- somebody explaining this. And if the coaching staff is not going to explain exactly how they're not utilizing me to the best of my ability, then doggone it as an elder statesman on this team, as one of the highest paid players in my position, and as a seasoned veteran who's allowed to speak his mind, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on. Well, you know what? To, to tie it all together, it's kind of what we were talking about before with broadcasting, where you said that the play-by-play call or the commentators on the Jason Kelsey helmet situation right. were incorrect, but it wasn't right. their fault. I feel like it's a similar situation where Fletcher Cox is almost saying, look, I'm just the player. I'm trying to fit into this scheme that doesn't work for me. It's not right. my play style, and I'm not able to shine uh, and use my talent to its full potential under this coach. And so I get both sides. Like he, he's not wrong. Like we know what an amazing player Fletcher Cox is, but I also think as a leader on the team, it concerns me because like we mentioned before, like when you start to see guys like him and Jason Kelsey, who are clearly, you know, they've been playing for this team for a long time. um, And these younger guys are definitely looking up to them. I just, I feel like once you start going down that rabbit hole of negativity of, kind of the older guys getting frustrated. It's just a slippery slope and it's only going to go down from there. They're, they're fed up. They're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had the opportunity to play this game at its high, highest level. They know what it takes to succeed. Um, they, they know what it takes to have a coaching staff to put them in positions to be the best that they can possibly be. And such is not the case. I think up to this point, for the most part, they've done it both. They've done a yeoman's job of really keeping their feelings internal you know, in terms of how they express themselves. But the last couple of games, as we talked about earlier in this show, now we're seeing Jason Kelsey with the physical expressions on the field. Fletcher Cox, for the last couple of weeks now, speaking a little bit more and a little bit more about, hey, hey, I, this, is not, this is not the kind of scheme where I'm best suited to play in. You know, there's nothing wrong, you know, and if he's indirectly throwing a coach under the bus, I think more importantly, it's a player trying to get the general base outside looking in to understand why he's not being as effective. Yes, he's a little bit older now. His body's beat up a little bit more, but there's still enough left in a Fletcher Cox to be a much more effective player than he's being asked to be right now. Javon Hargrave, what does he do? What do we talk about when we talk about Javon Hargrave? Man, does he get up the field. Man, is he disruptive getting after the quarterback. He has six and a half quarterback sacks. Why is Fletcher Cox not getting up the field more? Why does he not have that ability to force that quarterback off his spot? He's being asked to lay back and, and hold up a spot. Hold, put your finger in the dam, you know, before it bursts, and we'll let somebody else come in for support. Right. That's not what Fletcher Cox wants to do. Mm. It, it's it's frustrating because I know Fletcher Cox is better than what we have seen so far this season, and you don't have a defensive coordinator to put him in those best no. positions to watch him no. have success. No. Uh, no. We're going to, uh, I guess, we're going to take away game balls again today, folks. <laughs> so we'll have a little of that for you in store when we come wow. back here on live post game show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. 
and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Welcome back to live post game show, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to uh, be fueled as we're fueled by Stateside Vodka and statesidevodka.com. Use the promo code at the bottom of the screen there in the scroll, Jacob. That's promo code Jacob for 15% off a one liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. That's statesidevodka.com. Uh, this, there's been a lot of great comments today. Before we get to our final thoughts and takeaways from this particular game, uh, this is my, one of my favorite comments. Uh, everyone's calling for people to be fired and all that fun stuff. East. Camden for life says, please fire me. Like they're asking <laughs> to be fired. So I just like that that kind of goes along with the theme of a lot of this. Fire everyone. Okay, everybody. Fire all, all that stuff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what we're doing today. I wouldn't mind it, to be honest with you. Every single game I get, I, I, I like, let's, let's just go chronologically for a second. Hmm. Nick Sirianni has an introductory press conference and you're like, uh, I don't think that's it, but I'm not going to say that's it. That's one press. It's a press conference. Come on. Uh-huh. And then you hear the training camp. You know the training camp. Oh, we terrible at, uh, we were terrible in preseason, but man, we had some great practices. Hey, eh, Gunner, we had some great practices, didn't we? We won those practices. And then you're you're two and five at the start of the season, and your defense looks terrible. Your offense can't you put anything together. And when you do put something together, you get it. You get away from it immediately. And Almost, you're going. Uh, yeah. yeah, this ain't it. This still ain't it. And I'm still very much in the mindset of Nick Sirianni's in over his head. I'm not trusting Howie Roseman to rebuild this team after this season. Jeffrey Lurie needs to clean house and hit the reset button. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm mm-hmm. going to be for a long time, unfortunately. I'm not surprised they're two and five. I'm just 
surprised in the manner in which they they've arrived at this point at two and five. Fair, fair. Uh, because they they had opportunities to win a couple of games. They could have won that 49ers game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's just the manner in which. And you say, okay, early on, uh, when you have these miscues, it's a bunch of new people getting used to each other. But now we're seven games into this thing. We're five games, six games, seven games in. And, and it's getting better, uh, getting worse instead of better. So that's what bothers me the most, the manner in which they've arrived at this point, more so than the record itself. Mm-hmm. That's fair. No, I'd I think that's fair. I totally agree. And, and going back to that first game, and it's funny, we were so young and naive during our, our, our pregame <laughs> show that we did before the 49ers. And I remember I was like, if, if we win, I'll eat a plate of wings. I'm pretty sure they've won literally once, barely since then. So no wings for me. But I remember saying the, the Eagles are fun to watch again. And they were fun for literally mm-hmm. one game. And Derek, it's what you said every show where you just want to see progress. Even if we're not winning, you want to see hope. You want to see improvement. And we're not. We're seeing them regressing in almost every aspect, Mm -hmm. in pretty much every aspect. I don't know in Mm -hmm. what area the Eagles have made progress this season. And that's really concerning to me. The draft. Three first round picks. <laughs> yeah, but then Howie's gonna mess up the picks, and then we'll be back to square one again. So you know, actually, actually, you, know, you made me think of this. Do you know what the best part of the Eagles' season is? It's that the Dolphins suck. Like that's the best. <laughs> like that's the best part of the Eagles' season. And the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And the Detroit Lions are yeah. terrible. Like that's how mm. great. That's what we have to look at right now. I I have to say, I I was going to propose a new segment, and you'll see why I didn't in a second, called uh, Fun Facts to to cheer people up. You know, some good things to to take away from this Eagles season. And it's literally uh, Miami isn't good, and they lost again. Um, We're probably going to get that pick from the Colts because Carson is probably going to play. And then I think I had uh, the Eagles got – have had an interception in four straight games for the first time um, since 2019, and that's it. Mm. That's all. That's all I could think of. Hey, all but right, it's not bad. You feel happy not bad. Not bad. But but to think this team, there's a possibility after this next week, this team could could win the tiebreaker against Detroit when it comes to drafting next year. I never thought I'd be sitting here thinking about something like that. Mm. They try to lose that game to Detroit. Get the Eagles with a tiebreaker with the Lions based on head-to-head competition. Are you kidding me? All right. Okay. All right. I'm, all, right. all right. We're a little giddy now. All right. Let's get serious here. All right. All right. We're professionals I'll, here. I'll ask you first. What are you taking yeah. away from this game? Uh, that I did not have to pay to watch this. Good point. Devin? Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, am I, is this the game ball or just a general point I'm taking away? You take away whatever you want to do. Game ball, general point, whatever you like. Because instead of taking away a game ball, I'm actually going to flip it. And I do want to give a, a game ball to someone. And that someone is that viral video that we all saw when uh, Howie Roseman, it was during the draft, went and like was fist bumping everyone. And like the one Eagle scout who kind of rejected him, kind of. Tom like, Donahoe. Tom Donahoe, yeah. I'm he no gets time the game ball because he knew. He knew. Yeah. He knew back then. We should have yeah. listened. To you know Tom. that's pretty good. I like that. That's really yeah, good. I've known Tom. Tom and I, I got to know Tom when I worked at uh, NBC in Pittsburgh. So I know Tom Donahoe. You know, Tom Donahoe well. And that look was worth its price. It's weight in gold. When he was like, "I ain't fist pumping you for that." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, what? What did I do a good job? No, you didn't do a good job, as yeah. we're finding out now." Yeah. yeah. Um. Gunner, do you do you, do you want to do a game ball or take away one or whatever it might be? Wow, 
you know, I'll let you guys go first. I have to think about this for a second because right, I'm so actually, many, I'm so actually, choices. I'm actually giving a game ball to Fletcher Cox for speaking <laughs> out. Yeah, you know why? Because what? that's the only way that you're gonna have any change going into next season. Complete dumpster fire in the locker room. Players speaking out against what the coaches want to do, against the scheme, mm -hmm. about how in over their heads they are. It's the only way. If this is a complete, utter embarrassment and dumpster fire, it's the only way you're going to get changed going into the next year. So, Fletcher Cox, I don't like what you had to say because I never mm -hmm. want to hear that, but I love that you said it, and that's why I give you the game ball. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to take a ball away from the Eagles' run defense again. <clears throat> because uh, this was a Raiders team averaging 80 yards a game rushing, and you let them chew you up again <clears throat> in the middle of your defense. And we can, we're consistently seeing this each and every week. And there's a way to stop that. You have a safety come down in the box. You have your linebackers play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. They're not doing it. You know, I saw the safety come down in the box more than I have in recent weeks to support the run. It worked at times, but they're not doing it enough. And I'm tired of watching um, linebackers and, and DBs trying to bulldog running backs, carrying them on their back six, seven yards down the field. So I'm taking I'm taking the ball away from the run defense. I agree with I, that I like for sure. I like it. You know what? Maybe next week we'll play a game where not one of us doesn't watch the game, and then we play. You're not going to believe what happened. That'll be the game, <laughs> and then we'll 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 actually like read off things that happened in the game, and you'll have to choose what what actually happened and what. Oh did. my goodness. <laughs> Devin Ganey, always a pleasure. Derek Gunn, always a pleasure. For everyone watching on Jacob Media YouTube channel as well as 6abc.com, Xander Krause, who did a fine, fine job producing the program. All you guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. For Devin I'm going to have some wings. I'm going to have some wings that I grilled yesterday. But <laughs> Come on, man. But I'm just saying because, you know, I was thinking about inviting you two, but it's kind of late. You two can't come down. So I, I'm going to have – I'm going to hold a wing up to the sky and say, this is for my brother and sister who couldn't be here tonight. <laughs> Gunner, I'm going to ask you something, and people that watch the show know the show. Why are you the way that you are? Everyone, well, family has asked me that for decades. And <laughs> you, my, my consistent answer has been, I don't know. You know, it ne never changed. No. Never changed, you guys. Thanks, but I, we do. You are going to make us wings at some point this season. No, 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 no. You are supposed to eat happen. wings first before I make you wings. You have to. Yeah, the wings. Eagles won, and they haven't done that. So. They beat Carolina. What was your excuse then? This is this is this is turning into a show of broken promises. <laughs> yes, broken a field of broken dreams. All right, I'm getting the wrap up signal over here, fellas. We got to wrap hey, it up. Tell, tell Xander we control the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fletcher Cox. <laughs> Uh, I'm tired of being told what to do. <laughs> for, Katie, uh, for Derek Gunn, for everyone associated, uh, thanks so much for watching. I'm Mark Farzetta. We'll be back Don't with you guys. silence me. Don't silence me. <laughs> we'll be back with you after a game against the Lions. That ought to be fun. Have a great one, everybody. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. 
Is the length of the glass equal to your- You betcha. But is it made out of- Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rip- Smooth? Will you stop doing- That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post game show is powered by IBEW Local 98.